MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Warmer, Welcome to Monkey Las Vegas for discussing with myself, Greg Eats Peterson, now part of the Peace and Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. We're going to be keeping this one to two parts. Here in segment number one, we've seen some news and notes in college basketball over the last 48 hours. Typically, it's the last 24 hours, but in this case, because we did the preview of Conference USA yesterday, it is the last 48 hours. We're going to be rounding that up for you guys. And then in segment number two, Lucas Harkins, he does great work over at HXCBB. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look a lot at the Big East, a lot of the moves that we've seen this offseason. Now, some of the teams that were maybe a little bit lower down in the Big East rankings, the moves that they've made in the offseason could be just good in general for the Big East. The offseason coaching moves that we've seen, uh, that's going to be able to help them out. I know that he runs a Patreon page that's dedicated to Butler, so we're going to be taking a look at those moves as well. And Lucas does a great job really taking a look at the entire lay of the land in college basketball. We're going to ask him about some of the teams that he feels are a little bit underrated, have a little bit of value coming into the year, and then some of the coaches that maybe they're not bringing in a lot in the transfer portal, but they get the benefit of the doubt from him because of what they've done in past years. So we're going to be doing that in segment number two. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter, as per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I think many of you guys are noticing that on this podcast, we're getting much more into preview mode. A lot of these rosters, they are getting relatively set, so we are diving in there, and we should have the Ivy League Conference preview up within the next 48 hours. If it's not up tomorrow, it's going to be up two days from now. That is one that I am working on, especially with a lack of baseball games that are going on right now. I've got a little bit more time there, but we did see a few moves that happened over the last 48 hours, so let's round those up, and really, in my opinion, this is the biggest one. Jacob Nisus, hopefully I said that correctly. He comes in as a little bit of a six-foot-eight combo player from the Czech Republic. Now, he didn't put up the world's greatest numbers while he was playing professionally for the Czech Republic. 
this last season. He was able to put up about four and a half points, a little bit over three rebounds per game. But if you're taking a look at when it comes to like baseball, single A, double A, triple A, he was pretty much playing at triple A this last season in the CZNBL, which is actually a really good international league. So he was playing up against a very good competition. You tell that when he was going up against a little bit of a lower level of competition, he was a solid rebounder. From everything I gathered, from everything that I witnessed, not necessarily the world's greatest three-point shooter. He's the guy that's able to pop threes, but he's not someone that you expect to be one of those like international stretch players. He's not like Dirk Nowitzki 2.0 or anything like that. It's going to be completely lighting it up from three-point range, but with Duquesne, I think that they just needed a little bit of rebounding because that was one of their weak areas last year. Really didn't have anyone that averaged more than five five and a half rebounds per game this past season and in a down 8-10 I think that Duquesne is going to be able to make some noise they did a very nice job bringing in the Drame brothers Dusan Marosic and someone that's going to be able to help out down low as well and Andre Severstov is sort of cut from the same cloth he's a six foot seven, little bit of a combo player that is a little bit of a better three-point shooter than Nisus but probably is going to need a little bit more work with regards to rebounding as well I think that this is a Duquesne punch that is going to have a lot of just general depth and versatility so I am very bullish on this bunch. And then we did see Devin Pryor. He was a recruit for the class of 2024, and he has decided that he is going to be reclassifying to the class of 2023 for Texas. Now, I don't think the Pryor is going to be seeing too many minutes, and we've talked on this podcast. What I think is really best for these guys to reclassify is the most likely case I do see for Texas. They maybe give Pryor a few minutes. He comes in, he maybe is that guy that gives you like 10 minutes and 5 fouls, something of that nature, because this is someone that 247 Sports, with the reclass, they have him rated right around 208th in the class. He's six foot seven. He's able to pop a few threes, a little bit undersized in terms of his build. He probably wants to gain a little bit more strength in general, but should be someone that is able to come in off the bench. He's able to be a body. He's probably going to be able to play a little bit of defense. And if he's able to acclimate himself with this system rather than going up against outmatched competition in high school and being able to be at the college level, being able to go through practice in general. I think that this could be big for Texas just in the coming years in general. So I do think that that is something of note, but I don't think that it's necessarily going to be a situation where it's going to be having as much of an effect this year, just because I do think that prior he is going to be mostly finding himself on the bench this season. This I do think is a little bit bigger though. Terrell Art Jr. He last season was playing over at Presbyterian. It was a Blue O's team that had a relatively rough season in general. He has decided that he is going to be heading on over to Mount St. Mary's and for the Mount. It was a bit of a trying year for them and they could use a little bit more down low. With Art, he was able to give Presbyterian seven points, right around six boards, and will pop threes, didn't pop them very well, shot about 25% from distance. But it's someone that began his career at UAB, and this is a program that has had success with guys coming in from UAB. Jalen Benjamin, who has been a stalwart guard for this team for the last few seasons, he actually began his career over at UAB. So there is a little bit of a pipeline there. I do think that when it comes down to it, this is going to be a nice pickup for a Mount St. Mary team that they've had a little bit of a tough time transitioning over to the Metro Atlantic just because it is a little bit of a higher level of competition in general, but they've been able to do a nice job of being able to replace some of those pieces that they lost from their NCAA tournament team the last few seasons when they had all those guys like Malik Jefferson and company down low. They've been able to do a good job of being able to 
have more size with someone like George Tinsley coming in. Now it's just all about that backcourt because I did mention Jalen Benjamin. He is now going to be out the fold. So Dakota Lafayette, who's able to do a nice job of shooting from three. Josh Reese, who's been a little bit of up an up and down player. He's going to need to step up as well. Probably going to be another rough year for Mount St. Mary's. But being able to bring in someone like an Art Jr., that certainly does help in the post. And then the other move that we have seen over the last 48 hours that I think is of a little bit of note. It's not necessarily something that is rambunctious and is going to be breaking Twitter or anything like that. But you know what? Tering Issa, he was playing last season over at Florida AM. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. Aisa, he was able to register about two and a half points, two and a half rebounds per game over at Florida AM. Someone that was able to come on a little bit more towards the back half of the season. He was able to see a few starts, so that really hurts Florida AM more so than it's going to be helping anyone else, in my opinion. But towards the back half of the season, was able to see some meaningful minutes. Those final 12 games was able to put up more in the neighborhood about three rebounds and a block per contest. So that's what we all saw in college basketball over the last 48 hours. So as you can tell, things are getting a little bit more bare on that front in college basketball, but we are getting into preview mode and a man that is getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. That'd be Lucas Harkins. He does great work over at Check CBB. We're going to be taking a look at the lay of the land in the Big East. How suddenly seems that they've been a little bit lesser in recent years. Have been able to build themselves up. Take a look at the effect of the coaching changes that we've seen. The lay of the land for Butler and some of the teams that he thinks that coming into the year deserve a little bit more respect. That is coming up next right here on Cusco Soups with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. 
I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. With myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast, it is great to be joined by this man. Lucas Harkins does an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the game of college basketball. We especially like Lucas on this podcast because he, much like myself, a stand for the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's terrific. He's one of the main men over at HXCBB. He's one of their main writers and also their lead bracketologist. I did a great job with his bracketology this last year as well. If you go on Bracket Matrix, Year in and year out, he gets very good scores. If you are a fan of the Butler Bulldogs as well, I know that he runs a great Patreon page at his name, Lucas Harkins. Taking a look on that front as well. And to be able to follow Lucas on Twitter, that is at Hardwired Sports altogether. And Lucas, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I always appreciate it. I always appreciate you, Lucas. And Lucas, I know you do a great job taking a look at not just Butler, but the Big East. And what has been your thoughts on the Big East thus far this offseason? Because we have seen a lot of movement with regards to this conference. We've got a trio of new head coaches, including a coaching change within the conference with Ed Cooley going from Providence over to Georgetown. But I feel like all in all, among all the conferences in college basketball, I don't know if I would put the Big East moves at number one, but if they aren't number one in terms of moves made by an entire conference, I don't think that they're very far from the top with so many teams being able to get much better 
and the coaching moves made within the conference, I feel like being very good ones. Yeah, not just that. I really think we've seen teams jump from that good to potentially very good in terms of projecting for this upcoming year. I think a lot of the talks with the Big East in terms of being that secondary league to, to the Big 12 and those 10, 11 team leagues has been the real title contenders at the top. Obviously, UConn won this past year, which is a huge boost to the conference. But in terms of actual like number of teams that can contend, I think they put themselves in a really good spot this year. I mean, Marquette returned so much from last year. They were always going to be a preseason top 10 team. UConn's put itself in that category. Adding Cam Spencer really helps in that area. Creighton's put itself in that category, lost some pieces. But bringing in Stephen Ashworth really helps them. Getting Ryan Kalkbrenner back is huge. And even Villanova's, you know, done a really nice job with its transfer portal. Still brings back Eric Dixon and Justin Moore. Uh, I'm always a big Brennan Hawson guy, I think he's due for a bigger year as a sophomore for them off the bench. I think that's a team that might be able to figure it out this year and get back on track now under Kyle Neptune. I think those four teams are all really, really good. That doesn't even get into the teams, as you mentioned, with Ed Cooley moving to Georgetown. Providence is still going to be a pretty good team. Xavier's still going to be a pretty good team. Always bad at discount. Rick Pitino. So if I didn't mention St. John's, that would be a mistake. Yep, and with St. John's, I do think that they might be the most interesting wild card within the conference as well because – you do bring in Rick Pitino, and it was very clear what he was going to be looking to do. He was going to be looking to try to bring in a whole lot of new guys not named Joel Soriano. He really wanted Joel Soriano back in the fold, and rightfully so, a guy that was able to average a double-double last season. And I do think that the pieces around him are very interesting because there are going to be a lot of guys that they're going to be going up a level. They are following Rick Pitino over from Iona, like Dennis Jenkins. You've also got... In the fold, someone like a Cruz Davis, who's going to be coming over. Quince Lesniski was injured throughout much of the year. But the guy they think of is, is of intrigue is the top scorer returning from college basketball last year in Jordan Dingle. Obviously, Antoine Davis out of eligibility. But how do you think these guys are going to be able to build together? Because you've got a lot of guys that come in from the Metro Atlantic, that come in from the Ivy League, and they had great success last season at a little bit of a lower level of basketball, even Sean Conway over at VMI. But... Now they're going to need to take a step into one of the toughest conferences in all of college basketball. Yeah, I think part of that is, is they're joining a team that has real star power already. I mean, obviously, Soriano is an all-conference level talent. It was a very good double-double machine up front for, for St. John's. And I think Jordan Dingle's going to be that that guy offensively for them again uh, for St. John's this time after he had been for Penn for the last few years. He's certainly a 15-plus points-per-game scorer even in the Big East. He's that kind of scorer to me. I think having that inside-out duo with Dingle and Soriano at the one and five spots can go a long way, which allows everyone else to kind of fill into those role spots. And I think Mahim Maline kind of fits in that area, too, as a guy who's proven at the high major level. That can fill a real glue guy role for them. Yep, I do think that it's so good that you point out Aline as well, someone who, while he was at Virginia Tech a few years ago, I was very impressed by him. Didn't see as many minutes at UConn this past season, but certainly I think he's going to do a good job with St. John's. As joining me on the show, we do have Lucas Harkins. He does great work over at Heat Check CBB. And Lucas, we always talk about the year one to year two jump with regards to players. In this case for Butler, it's a case of whether or not this year one to year two jump can hold true for a coach as well. Because under Thad model last year, you can tell that things just weren't able to get off the ground. And I do think a large part of it wasn't even necessarily the fault of Thad Mata, but it was just help in general. Guys like Ali Ali being out towards the beginning part of the season, trying to play catch-up when they did return, that was relatively rough. And Butler, I was talking about the up-transfers with regards to St. John's. They're going to be having quite a few of them as well. Guys like a DJ Davis, who was a good scorer, but was at UC Irvine. 
Esop Sub, Jamel Telford, Andre Screen. These are all guys that are coming in from a little bit of a lower level of basketball. And then you've got Pasha Alexander, obviously, was not at a lower level of college basketball. He was at St. John's. How do you think everything is going to mix together? Because for Butler, there isn't a ton returning from last year. But now Thad Mata was able to get a year under his belt. He was able to get a little bit more of a lay of the land in the Big East. And I think that that's going to be beneficial in year number two. That's tricky. I think they needed an overall, and they got that. Nine new faces coming in this year. In total, Butler brings back 100 seconds of two players that played together for when the margin was less than 20 points last season. So they don't they have as little continuity as you can essentially have. It was necessary, but also it's going to be a, a learning curve with getting all the guys together and up to pace. And as you look at Posh and DJ in the backcourt, I mean, that's a pretty small backcourt, six foot, six one. Um, backcourt if that's where they want to go. I think probably the thing I'm looking forward to most for Butler this season is actually that underclassman development. It would be great for Butler to have a big bounce back year with, with the transfers that they added, but I think it's more of a long-term build and seeing guys, Landon Moore comes in from St. Francis, had a really good year when he was healthy last year. He's a transfer coming in. Connor Turnbull is going to be a sophomore this year. Finley Bizjack and Bowden Kapke are relatively highly rated freshmen, particularly Bizjack as a scorer. So I think seeing progress from that can ignite some more optimism that I think is missing from the program fan base right now is getting some optimism about what's not just this year, but what's coming two, three, four years down the road as well. Yep, I do think so as well. And I do think that a lot of the guys that they did pluck out as transfers are coming in from the lower level. They do have the attributes to have success at the higher level as well. And Pierre Brooks, who comes in from Michigan State, would be remiss to not mention the fact that I think that he's going to have a nice year as well. And how much do you think the Big East has benefited in general from this offseason? Having a lot of these teams that they were maybe a little bit down the last few years, really being able to improve. Because while Butler, I don't think that they're going to be like a top team in the conference or anything like that. I certainly think that the results are going to be better for them than they have been in past years. As we know, the two dregs in the conference the last few years, well, for the last several years, it's been DePaul and Georgetown in recent years, really ever since John Thompson II was out of there. It's really been rough for them. They have been just bottom feeders as well. How big do you think it is that in terms of just the way that I view it, they've been able to upgrade a little bit and just being able to take those teams from being some of the worst with regards to the power six to maybe being more middling. How much do you think that that could help out? Because I do think that that's very big for the conference. And I did feel like in recent years, the Biggies was getting a little bit top heavy. Yeah, I think kind of across the board, there were improvements. I think Georgetown... It's a cliche, but college basketball is better when Georgetown is good. And I think Ed Cooley it might not be a one-year turnaround, but I think he's the kind of guy that can get that program back on track. Butler needed, at the very least, needed an overhaul. Regardless of whether the talent upgrade, downgrade, or middle this offseason with additions, they needed to make changes across the board to avoid another just kind of staying in the same rut. So that's a big change. St. John's kind of getting out of that middling, as you mentioned. Getting Rick Pitino in there is a program changer. I think at the top, it's those guys. UConn getting kind of like last year when Creighton got Baylor Shireman. It kind of felt like that last piece that they needed to add to fill around what they already did, what they already had. And I think they did that again this year with Stephen Ashworth coming in to replace Neymar. UConn gets Cam Spencer in on the two to do the best he can to, to play Jordan Hawkins-type role. I think there's a lot of those like just kind of plug-and-play, got the right Villanova with its its wing duo they added in the key heart and TJ Bamba. I think there's a lot going on that's just like adding some extra pieces. And Xavier's, I think, going to be rock solid again. Yep, I think so as well. For Xavier, I think it might be a little bit difficult for them to duplicate exactly what they did last year, but certainly them being a top 25 team, them being 
a top three, top four team in the Big East. I certainly see that as well as Lucas Harkins, who does tremendous work over at HXCBB, joining me right here on Coast to Coast Suits. And Lucas, obviously, you do a great job of taking a look at the Big East, taking a look at Butler, but I know that you do a great job of taking a look at the landscape of college basketball. Fortunately for us, most of these rosters are solidified. We probably are going to see a few guys that reclassify in the coming weeks and months. And obviously the West Virginia situation is a less than savory one that has caused a few ripples in the transfer portal as well. But in terms of some teams that might be a little bit off the beaten path, it could be another team from the biggies. It can be a mid-major. It could be another power conference team or two. Or a few teams that you do take a look at and you think, man, this team has had a really nice offseason. I like what they put together, and maybe they're not getting the love that they deserve from the national media. It's kind of cliche to pick a program that's been so successful of late anyways, but I think Villanova, I think, did a really nice job this offseason. They're a team that I'm looking forward to seeing healthy this year with a healthy Justin Moore. They get Eric Dixon back. The Hart Bomba Burton trio of transfers is good. We mentioned that potential freshman or sophomore jump being important, and that's, you know, Mark Armstrong, Brendan Austin kind of jump can be important there. I can see them being a top 25 team again this year. I feel like I just haven't seen Wisconsin in many preseason top 25s. And I know they weren't great last year, but that's kind of the classic. Wisconsin gets a year, brings everybody back. I think A.J. Storr is a pretty big addition. It, that gives them a whole different dimension on the wing with his athleticism and shooting ability. Kind of needing a bounce back year from the Tyler Wall, a bounce back shooting, a bounce back finishing season for Chucky Hepburn. There's a good potential there for Wisconsin this year. I think those are two teams that really stand out for me from the high major standpoint that I think maybe aren't getting as much love as they could. Mid-major wise, Yale, I think, puts itself in a pretty good spot in the Ivy this year. And I think every year you can pretty much, even after losing some significant pieces over the offseason, you can pretty much always count on Vermont to be a pretty rock solid team until they prove they aren't. And I think with Vermont as well, because They do lose quite a few pieces from last year. I'm just always willing to give myself the benefit of the doubt to John Becker and the coaching staff. And are there just a few coaching staffs in general out there that you're willing to do so with? Because I take a look at a team like Towson. Pat Scary, in my opinion, he has earned that benefit of the doubt. The way that he has always been able to get this Towson team figured out. So there's that one year where they went from like one win to 20. That said, all that needed to be said there. We were talking a little bit before about the fact that DJ Davis, he's coming in from UC Irvine, and he's going on over to Butler, and UC Irvine has not done a lot in the transfer portal, but that coaching staff for UC Irvine, it feels like they never hit the transfer portal other than for maybe a piece or two, and yet year in and year out, even though they might lose like over 50% of their scoring, they're always there at the top of the Big West. Are there a few programs, in your opinion, just in general, that you just give the benefit of the doubt to that coaching staff slash that program in general? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Vermont is my go-to there. I think they've won seven straight regular season titles in the America East. That's pretty much the squad out there that you can always count on them being very good. That's the big one for me. VCU in the A-10, I think, is usually consistently pretty good. It's only year three for Pat Kelsey at Charleston, but a Pat Kelsey coach team I feel pretty good about. And I think, again, this year, they bring back a really good trio. They bring back Ben Burner and Rain Smith and Ante Brzovich, and they get C.J. Fulton in from Lafayette. They get Frankie Policelli in conference from Stony Brook. I think they put them themselves in a good spot pretty consistently but the way that their style plays Furman usually puts itself in a pretty good spot I think those are a couple teams I look at and I think to kind of harken back to some teams to break out this year I think this might be a year in the Ivy League for Brown to take a step third years together for Kino Lilly, Owusuana and Aaron Cooley I think that's a group that intrigues me out there and you mentioned UC Irvine but I'll stick out in the Big West UC Santa Barbara 
was fantastic in the transfer portal this year around AJ Mitchell. Oh yeah, and man, if they could have been able to keep Zach Clements, that would have been even bigger for them. But even without Zach Clements, I think that that team is going to be out there in the Big West. It's going to be number one. I did my actual conference preview for them a few weeks ago, and I did put UC Santa Barbara at number one. So I'm in agreement with you there. And Lucas, I do want to sort of close it up with this, and it's not necessarily the most savory of situations, but as we know, the biggest thing that's been happening in college basketball the last few weeks has been everything that's happened with West Virginia. And there have been some teams that have been beneficiaries of that. A team like a Texas Tech being able to land Joe Tusanu. By the way, if you're looking at a team that's done a really good job leading the transfer portal, I think yeah. Texas Tech has actually done a great job under Gray McCaslin. So I'll give the kudos where they are deserved there. But they were the beneficiaries of being able to pick up Joe Tucson late. As we know, Kentucky was doing nothing in the transfer portal. With everything that happened with West Virginia, they were able to land Trey Mitchell. That helps them out quite a bit. But what do you make out of everything that has been happening with West Virginia and just sort of your expectations for them for the season? Because I mean, the longer that this whole saga that goes on with Bob Huggins goes, the worse I think it is for the team because they're right now trying to add depth to the roster. And I can't think everything that is playing out publicly with Bob Huggins in the university is really helping out anyone at all. The legacy of Bob Huggins – the university itself, I feel like everyone in this situation is a big, giant loser. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think I'll go back to something earlier, and you mentioned Grant McCaslin of Texas Tech being a little bit of a beneficiary here. And I'll throw that also. I'll throw Grant McCaslin back as a host I trust yes. to be pretty darn good. Even with this change in program, I think I, he's a guy that I trust to be very good. But as we get to West Virginia, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, everyone pretty much comes out a loser so far. I mean, we're in desperate need of depth on the court. The off-the-court stuff has been has been rough as well. The look is not great. It's a tough situation to overcome. And I think they had done a nice job in the portal to date. And I think that there's opportunities there. And if there's talent on the roster, if they can fill out more depth around it, there's an opportunity to be good. But it's a really tough conference with a lot of off the court stuff. Uh, It's a very tough situation. Yep, no doubt about it. I think that we're in agreement there. And you just hope for the sake of all the kids that everything can be just sorted out. And it's just a... Very unfortunate situation when you see everything happen like that. So we're in agreement there. And Lucas, I know you're doing an absolutely tremendous job. Take a look at this game that we all know and love of college basketball. You are getting set for the upcoming college basketball season over there at DTEC CBB. And I believe that DTEC CBB is back in on the Almanac as well. So a lot of the good people at home know it's all on tap for you. Now people can follow on on social media and other platforms. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on as always. Busy offseason trying to get things ready to go. Finally starting to get to the point where rosters are getting pretty set across the country, which is great. Getting into the rest of offseason coverage as we ramp up for 2023-24. You can find me on Twitter at Hardwired Sports uh, and articles at Heatcheck College Basketball. And Lucas does a great job taking a look at the game of college basketball. I mentioned it at the top as well. This man does a tremendous job when we get late in the season with his bracketology, always towards the top of the bracket matrix. So big thanks to Lucas for joining me on Cusco Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Cusco Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And those conference previews, we're getting more and more of them as things go along. Like I said, the Ivy League going to be up within the next 48 hours. These rosters are becoming a bit more solidified, so viewer news and notes would appreciate if you guys have a few questions, have a few topics that you want me to dive in on the podcast. I've got you guys covered every single day on this podcast, and I'll chat with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.